Hello and welcome to this special episode, part one of six for getting schooled in architecting. I am here with special co-host Caroline, and we have the honor of talking to two experts in the training and certification organization of AWS. First, we have Anya Derbakova, who's a senior startup essay, social media, and Ted Trentler, who's a senior AWS technical instructor. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really glad to be here. So let's give the audience a little overview of what this is all about. I know as myself, I went with the cloud practitioner cert and just the amount of education that's available and you know the way that you can learn, the way you can take tests. I just wanted to talk to somebody. So now I can talk to somebody. What's this all about? And we're going to like walk through the what, why, and the how of the entire certification process. So why don't you go ahead and just give us a background on yourselves and what that kind of organization looks like uh, within AWS. Hello, everybody. My name is Anya Durbakova. Uh, I am a senior startup solutions architect at AWS. I have been at AWS for two years now, working with our startup customers. Uh, I primarily focus on healthcare and life sciences uh, customers, but I work with various types of customers in general, actually outside of startups as well. And prior to AWS, I have over 12 years of experience in the field doing everything from uh, just software development full time uh, to working in the uh, healthcare insurance industry working in the IT department and uh, leading one of their integration teams and subsequently hopping over to startups as a CTO, uh, which is where my first introduction to uh, AWS uh, came into being as my startup was built on AWS. And that's when I realized I really just love the space. It super captivated me. It was so much fun to have the freedom to build uh, these different features and have the ability to choose from all these services that could do so many different things and configure them the way you wanted. Uh, and the opportunities for learning just seemed endless because there are so many things out there that you can learn about uh, within that AWS umbrella. Um, and I kind of continued uh, on that space. I worked at multiple startups and eventually ended up uh, here at AWS working with our startup customers. And now I work with a lot of them, uh, which is uh, really fun. You get to see a lot of different use cases. Uh, and uh, looking forward to speaking with you today. Thank you, Anya, so much. And Ted, we'll pass it over to you for a quick intro and a little bit about um, the organization. Yeah, I'm really glad to be here. So I'm Ted Trentler. I am a senior technical instructor with AWS. And I've been uh, internal here at AWS for two years. Uh, but I've been uh, an Amazon authorized instructor for uh, longer than that. Uh, prior to working with AWS, I worked with some of our training partners delivering authorized AWS training as well. And I've been a technical instructor for about, I guess, about 12 years now. Um, my start with AWS was as a customer. And uh, back in 2013, I wrote an iOS app and I got the golden ticket in those days to the Apple Developer Conference. And I was talking to other developers about, well, I, I need a landing page for my website. You know, I need a website for, for my app. Where am I going to host this? And a bunch of devs told me, well, go out to aws.com slash free. They'll give you a virtual machine free for a year. 
So mm. I put a WordPress blog on it and I had a landing page for my app and I sort of started down the rabbit hole of AWS. How That's cool. sort of how I got started. But I've got, a, I think I've got the best job at AWS or one of them anyway, because I get to travel and, and be in front of our customers, show them how this cool technology works and, uh, you know, watch that light bulb go on. And it's just a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you for sharing, Ted. And what a cool, um, what a cool first experience with AWS. I actually had a customer come with me today looking to host over 60 websites and get started with AWS. So sounds like they're starting on that, um, that same journey. I do want to, um, you know, kind of give our audience a preview here. What is this mini series about? You know, what can they expect to learn from these next handful of episodes? Yeah, I think, uh, when, when I started on my journey with AWS, it was a bit overwhelming when I looked at the management console the first time. Oh, uh, yes. You know, we, we have over 200 products and services. And the question I had was, where do I start? Right. How do I get started? I just wanted to set up a virtual machine in those days. Uh, and so where do I get started? And I had to learn a lot to get there. I think when we talk about what we're going to be talking about for the next few episodes, which is certification and solutions architecture, it's identifying some of the core services that we use at AWS and how they work. Yeah, I would say that I can really relate to the overwhelm that you're mentioning, Ted. I would say that for me, it was very similar. Uh, I you know, got exposed to AWS and, and, and hearing that it's this you know, amazing platform that helps you accomplish all these things, but being thrown into the environment for the first time, it's really difficult to know what's relevant, what's not relevant, how do you select services, and, and even knowing, you know, like basic things, how to, uh, you know, debug and find information, all of, all of those things were a mystery, right? And, that, and sometimes just having so much information at your disposal, finding the right starting point can be very difficult. Uh, so I can I can very much relate to that. Love it. And I, for me, I and, and maybe I'm just lazy. It's always been, if I'm going to put effort into something, I want to pick the right one. And so when I looked at the certification, I'm like coming with a coder background, is SA good? Is, is the developer associate good? But then when I looked at the developer associate, like it was, you know, infrastructure as code and other things. But I was like, I need to have a basic understanding of the cloud. And so Cloud Practitioner was, you know, kind of my on-ramp. Can you talk about, you know, the job roles in the real world? You know, what is it, you know, we have DevOps, we have, you know, developer, we have cloud engineer. How do those roles in the real world kind of map to the different certifications and where does the real value in these certifications start to come about? Sure, sure. I think all of our certs at AWS are really job role focused. Uh, not that there isn't overlap between what a solutions architect does, what a developer does. Um, you know, we have, or what a, a systems operations does, or a sysops admin does. Um, you know, if, if we start at the foundational level with our certifications, we start with the cloud practitioner. And the cloud practitioner, I'd like to think of as, a, you know, we say it's a foundational cert. It's sort of identifying what are our best practices in the cloud. Um, it's a good certification for anyone as an introduction to the cloud, 
How does AWS architect our services? What's a region? What is the well-architected framework? You know, which is our, our basically our set of best practices. Um, I really like the cloud practitioner for another reason, and that's because every time you take a AWS certification, you get a fifty percent off coupon for your next cert. So it's also nice. you know I'm, I'm pretty frugal. So if I can take it's 2024, can Ted, this is, this economy ain't easy. I'm paying a hundred bucks for really. eggs. I need half off those certs. So I love yeah, that. So, so take this foundational cert. Yeah. Take a foundational cert, pass the exam, and then you have 50% off your next cert. Oh, and one of the things I really like about AWS and our training is we've made a, a big effort to be digital first. When I started training as a technical trainer, it was you went to a class to be with an instructor to learn a technology. That's not the first choice anymore. That's yeah. great. And, and it's great when I get to go to a large organization and teach 25 people in a classroom. But most of us are going to learn on our own. So I think, you know, using, uh, you know, things like Skill Builder and some of the other technologies we'll talk about, it's a great way to get started. But, you know, I, I go down this, this rabbit hole. Cloud Practitioner is a great place to start. I yeah. want to just interject here for one second about Cloud Practitioner. I know, you know, I work in professional services here at AWS and I work with so many people, right? And and as, you know, like Dave said, right, it's 2024. We can't really discern between people who are technical and non-technical anymore, right? It's really the spectrum. And so, you know, for someone who maybe considers themselves not as technical, do you think that the cloud practitioner would also be a really great place for, you know, them to start their cloud journey? I, I think it's a great place to start. And, and a good example would be as we move into the cloud, the way we pay moves from capital expenditures to more of an operational expenditure. So if I were working in accounting for a company that was moving to the cloud, I think the cloud practitioner is a great place to get an understanding of how is how are our accounting practices going to change? What are we going to be paying for? And also getting some of the nomenclature because the cloud is a different vocabulary than on-prem equipment. Absolutely. Uh, so, so I think it's a big help uh, for people that are cloud adjacent as well as very technical people. You don't have to be a developer to get the cloud practitioner or to I get value from it. You know, it's it's funny because oftentimes, right, we start talking about the costs and we start talking about tagging and and it's, um, you know, we forget a little bit about how all of these newer practices really will roll up to to the finance side of the house. Right. And so I think, like you said, getting that getting that nomenclature down is it's invaluable. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um one of the things, and then as we move up the stack and we, and we go to the more technical certifications, we currently have four associate level certifications. And at the associate level, we're looking a little bit more technically uh, oriented. We're, we're looking to you know, dive a little bit deeper into the, the technology stack. And we have different roles that these match up to. Uh, the uh, sysops admin is someone who's managing our cloud infrastructure and dealing with deployments. Uh, if I deploy 100 virtual machines, those virtual machines or instances are going to have to be patched. They're going to have to be maintained. 
you know, who does that? Well, that would be the person with the sysops admin role. Um, if I look at a developer in the cloud, well, how do the APIs work with AWS? How do I get involved with coding for the cloud? Um, I think of the developer certification as very language agnostic, meaning we have software development kits for at least a dozen different languages. But how do I interact through code using the idea of my choice? I think that's what we're testing on. How do I interact with services like S3, our simple storage service, or DynamoDB, a, a NoSQL database out in the cloud? Uh, what are the best practices for that? Again, all of these certs are based on our, you know, our, our formulas for, or not our formulas, but uh, on our well-architected best practices. Um, and then we get to the solutions architect. And this is where, you know, I hope we get to spend some time to really dive a little deeper. Because I, I think of this as a very special role. If my example for it before we get into the role is, if someone comes to you and says, we want to develop a website and put it into the AWS cloud, great. How are you going to approach doing that? There, there are many different ways. We could put static assets on Amazon S3. We could build instances with load balancers. We could use containers. So I, I think the solutions architect is the sort of this trusted advisor in an organization who understands a lot of the different options that are available and can make an educated recommendation on the AWS cloud. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with everything you're saying, Ted, in terms of providing best guidance, right? We're even as AWS solutions architects, we're we're positioning ourselves mm -hmm. as uh, extensions of our customers' team or as trusted advisors to be able to give customers our best guidance and advice. Um, with regards to our well-architected framework. Uh, and I do view the SA Associate Exam as one of those that captures a lot of these areas that you're talking about to be able to give guidance in the architecture section, but also as far as uh, cost and appropriate cost structures on how to best structure something to uh, make something more efficient or more resilient, right? So it covers all of these pillars. And now coming from the startup world, right? as a technical professional and a CTO, it's very common when you're in seat, you're very scrappy and you have to get things done very quickly. You're strapped for resources or personnel. So you are oftentimes going to probably find yourself doing different things. Like it might be technical things like writing code or debugging code. It might be something to do more with DevOps where you're actually deploying things and getting things out to different environments or automating things. It might have to do something not even very technical, something that maybe a customer person would more handle, right? So you're going to be very likely wearing different hats. So I think that uh, the Solutions Architect Associate exam kind of helps you have these different viewpoints, like, well, what about costs, you know, or what about, you know, resiliency? How do we talk to our customers about why our solution is going to be resilient, right? So it helps you get more in that uh, in that mindset, I think. We were talking a little bit ahead of time about how these exams change over time. You know, some of them had a dash one and a dash two and we're in 2024 and it's like, you know, if you're not talking about gen AI or you're not thinking about it in any kind of solution, every customer's thinking about it. Every developer's thinking about it. And I think it's interesting, you know, as we move forward, how that's all going to play into these things. 
But when you're just starting out, you need to know how the stuff works. It's like how I tell my kids, they're like, hey, why can't I use the calculator on my iPhone? Or why can't I do this? And I'm like, because you don't even know what that is yet. You know, you haven't done derivatives. You haven't done, well, you know, it's more advanced math now. But when they were little, I was like, you haven't done division or you haven't done multiplication or anything like that. I think it's so important as a human being to understand what you're actually doing first before you start to bring the AI on top of that. And I love how these certifications all kind of map to the to different roles that you may have. And you may have different roles. You know, I myself, I started out uh, doing help desk and I was very much uh, infrastructure. I was underneath desks running LAN cables, Banyan Vines networks, installing Windows 95. And uh, then this whole internet stuff took off. And I was like, I like it. I like building a website and I could show people. And even though I had ComSci in, in college, I always liked the hardware. I liked networking. I did a lot of Cisco and all that. And then that was it for me. Once the once web pages came out, I just fell in love with, with coding again. So the fact that there's you know all of these services and roles, I, I think is incredible. And I think there's always some overlap between all of these different roles. You're not going to be just a, you know, a, a sysadmin. You're not going to be just a developer these days. There, there's a merge between these. And I think one of the interesting things about these certifications is that maybe there's 20 to 25% overlap between the services that are covered. So when I look at this, you know, and I take a solutions architect associate exam, and I'm being tested on S3, the concepts on S3 that I'm being tested on are probably different than the developer associate. Okay, but um, it's still the same product. I'm just looking at it from a different angle. Yeah, now, and I think that, that also kind of goes back to my point, depending on which situation you find yourself in, right, you might have to cover different different responsibilities at a company. That's typically true in a startup, but sometimes even in larger companies, you have to step in and figure stuff out, right? So it's it's very common that you'll you'll find yourself in such a situation. Okay, so Ted, walk me through this, right? I see I'm on the, I'm on the certification page, I'm looking at the essay associate, and I can click prepare for the exam. And I get a couple of different resources here. Let's start with the exam guide. Can you walk us through it? Yeah, I think the exam guide is probably the best study resource for this exam. And there are a lot of resources out there. But this is everything that is testable on the exam. It's a bit overwhelming. It's it's several pages. And it starts with an introduction. And then it talks about, and, and we're talking about the Solutions Architect Associate, but every one of our exams has an exam guide that sort of summarizes you know, what type of skills should you have coming into this exam? And in here we say, well, you should have a year of hands-on experience designing cloud solutions at AWS services. Um, and then there, there's a mention in here about looking at the appendix for how many services there are. So I did that. I went out and I looked at the appendix to see how many services, and I wanted to count them one day. I came up with 130. Why do you hate yourself? Man? What's that? Why do you hate yourself? Account services. Well, I, I these services, these products and services, and you know, I see we've got over 240 at AWS, I which know. I'm really excited about. Yeah. Um, and I want to know, you know, which ones are important for me to know. Um, so just because there's 133 mentioned doesn't mean that they are all covered in the same amount of depth. So as you scroll down, we we talk a little bit 
in this document about the exam content. Um, and, and the content of this exam, we just have two types of questions. We have multiple choice, which is going to have four answers. Uh, and you just have to provide one correct response. And then we have mul multiple response, which is going to have two correct answers out of five or more uh, possible, let's call them distractors. Um, so those are the two types of questions that we have. Now, one thing that I have to say about the questions, and you can see this in the exam guide, is that nothing is taken away for an incorrect answer. So you want to make sure that when you're taking this exam, you answer every question. A lot of times time is, you know, of the essence for us because some of these are scenario questions. There's a lot of data inside the scenario that you've got to evaluate. There'll be a qualifier at the end of the question. We'll, we'll talk about that. But uh, so you want to make sure you, you answer everything. Um, another thing is that for the Solutions Architect Associate exam, and this is on the exam guide as well, there are 15 unscored questions that don't affect your score. So there's 65 questions total. Uh, it's scaled from 100 to 1,000. And the passing score is a 720. I used but to do 720s on my skateboard. <laughs> but you don't have to get every question right. And, and the reason I say that is I, a lot of people will go through this exam and they will start thinking, I'm doing very poorly. I'm, I'm having trouble with this. But 15 of those questions are not being scored. They're there because... Maybe there are new questions that are being evaluated so we can get some oh, wow. statistics. Just tell me, tell me what ones those are, Ted. There's only us and a couple that would be tens of thousands of people. Four, 16. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, though, that it, it's a living thing, what you're telling me. So, like, if I take this and someone else takes it, it could some of those things could swap out. There's no oh, that, like. Yeah, the question bank is huge. And it's a continually changing question bank. So over time, they are going to introduce new new questions, but they don't know if it's a good question yet or not. So they're going to have to get some stats and put it in into production and see how it does. You know, is this an easy question? Is it an intermediate question? Is it a hard right. question? They don't know yet. What if I don't like one of the questions, Ted? Can I tell them? It's a good question. And, and you can, and I've, I've done this many a time on tests that I've, I've taken where I don't like the question, there is a comment button. Now you might think, well, why do I care about commenting on a question? If you get a question that you don't think is great, put your feedback there. Now there's a, a large process that AWS goes through to make a question or a question to make it onto that exam. But all of that feedback is read by a human. So if you have time, you know, mark that question for review, come back and put some feedback on it. So how do you mark a question for review, Ted? There is a button on the screen when you take the, the, the question oh. that says comments. And you can do that. And I've done that where I've said, well, you know, I know what you're looking for here, but I think this other question that that's this other answer could potentially be correct as well. Uh, I don't have that happen all that often, but if, and I may be wrong as well, but I give feedback. I'm not, I'm not scared to speak up. Can I and, send positivity? Uh, Can I be like the person reading this? I see you. You matter. 
Have a great day. Yeah, yeah exactly. Put a nice positive comment in there. Right? Right. All, there's, no, there's never any positive in that. That's what it's like being a speaker. I, you know this because you all have done talks. It's like the people that think you did a great job will like email you or they'll come up afterwards. But the people that are just angry in general, put it on the feedback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we used to uh, back when I was a. I just want to give you a back when I was a boy, back in my early days of being a presenter. So this is like Microsoft 2007. We actually had training on speaking, and it was really good. They gave us archetypes, and there was the assassin, was an archetype, and the assassin is the person that will nod their head. They'll they'll ask all the questions in the course, and you'll spend all the time with them, and then they'll give you the lowest score possible at the end. Oh yeah. You know, so now I a, know where those assassins are. I look, I look for the good ones. So I, I, I digress. Oh, as a technical trainer, I'm, I'm, I'm used to that. I, there's always the, the one person that wants to show you human how beings. much they know. This is what's uh, great about human beings. I love them. We're emotional. You never get, it's the good and the bad. It's what makes life interesting, right? Yeah. But it's, it's fun. I like, I like when I, I get to teach and people, you know, bring up questions and, and they get involved. I'm, I like that more than just talking to a wall, you know, so that's <laughs> awesome. Any feedback is better than no feedback, right? Exactly. Well, this is all great to hear because I'm always sitting in the exam room, like typing my every thought. I'm always like in there being like, well, I think that this, and I leave all these comments. So it's nice to know that um, someone out there is appreciating, you know, the bowels of the back of my brain. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to do exactly what Dave said. I'm taking an exam Saturday. So I am going to put some positive comments in there to the people that are reading them. I think that'll be awesome. Well, um, I know because I've taken a number of exams, not just the essay associate, and I and it never really occurred to me to, to leave any feedback. I just didn't know where to go, like where what happens to it. So that's actually really good. It's yeah, the dad yeah. in me. I'm always telling my kids, I was like, good job on that. You actually, you know, you did really well with that. When I see something that's awesome, I'm like, you know what? That was awesome. Do more of that. I, I think of, you know, we, we work at AWS and everything is metrics and everything. And we also use anecdotal evidence as well to evaluate oh, things. Yeah. So I think it's great to leave uh, comments when you get the chance. Can I tell you Jeff's story? I'll tell you Jeff's story. I don't think it'll matter if I say this. Uh, so when I was in Alexis, this is early days, Jeff was really involved. And this is what I loved about him. Exactly what you just said. It's a culture, it's data driven, but I remember him saying, Anecdotes are everything. If you have a customer that's actually contacting you with a problem, it means you're not as smart as you thought you were and you didn't actually get everything done. And in the early Alexa days, we actually had the Alexa skills kit ready to launch and we had a bunch of ideas. And he emailed me someone, uh, it was an older gentleman, a retirement uh, community back where I grew up uh, in Jersey. And he's like, go talk to him. I was like, okay. So I went and I listened and he had all these things about what we should be doing and, uh, you know, like who does that CEO, right? Uh, right? And they were great. It was very anecdotal. It was about the people in the community and how they were using Alexa and we need to have these categories. And we were already planning all this. And uh, I remember turning my boss and I was like, wow, like it was like a human connection there. I was like, why do you think uh, we were doing that? And he was like, uh, that was all about you, Dave. Like Jeff was just making sure you remember what this whole thing's about. Oh, that's cool. And uh, I think, you know, that's so important with this too in the in, in these kind of tests. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know, when we take these tests and, and we talk about what we're testing for, 
you know, the question is, before we even dive even, even deeper in here, why are we taking this exam? What What's the purpose? And, you know, I, I think one of the really cool things about being certified is it, it sort of shows that you have a base bar of knowledge. It doesn't mean that you are the best at your job, but it means that you at least know the vocabulary on some of these services that are covered uh, and that you can dive into the technical detail somewhat. I think it really helps to, I think it helps to level the playing field. I think oftentimes we come into a room with a bunch of different people coming from multiple companies, multiple backgrounds, trying to work together. And, and it's hard to know what your different experiences are and, and, you know, how to really depend on this group that's coming together for the first time. And I think having that certification and understanding, hey, look, we're kind of at this same playing field. We both have this pro cert. We've both been doing this for a long time, or you know, maybe we're both new, right? And that's okay. But I think it kind of helps. It helps to find that baseline, especially amongst a new group. Yeah, absolutely. And also, when you're speaking to customers, I would say it also makes a difference when they have confidence that you have the credentials that they're looking for to receive the best advice that they expect. So it gives them peace of mind that you're, you know, not just a random person kind of telling them things that they want to be hearing or, you know, countering them with something that they don't want to hear. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that that's important. Uh, but also for, for yourself, right. I feel like when I take, take the certificate, it kind of helps me solidify the knowledge when you prepare and really get the information in your head and review it. Uh, taking the exam just kind of validates it for you. You know, I think it, it, it kind of gives you that, your own stamp of approval. So I, I, I do it for that reason too. It makes me, you know, feel like I have a good Yeah. It's a good, you know, bar that you can use to measure yourself against. Definitely. Confidence. I think it gives you a lot of confidence when you speak to clients too. Yeah, I agree. Um, the last thing I wanted to say about the um, exam outline is it also says, you know, what broadly, what domains are you being tested on? Uh, and how much of the score in how much of that domain, how is that domain scored overall in the exam? So for the solutions architect oh. associate, there are four domains that we are being tested on. Uh, you know, designing secure architectures, which is 30% of the content. Designing resilient architectures, which is 26% of the scored content. You know, designing high-performance architectures, which is 24% of the content, and designing cost-optimized architectures, which is the last 20% of the content. Um, I, I like to say that because I don't know how much any individual question has ever scored on the exam. Right. I know overall, well, 30% of it is going to be around secure architectures. I love that, Ted. I have always lived by the mantra of ignore your weaknesses, be aware of them, but play to your strengths. Your strength yeah. is what you are passionate about. And it's so hard for me to do right on the parts that I'm just not interested in. So I would be the one looking at that exam and being like, not really interested in that part. Uh, I'll know that that's only 20%. Then that actually is what, you know, Anya was talking about. It's confidence booster. I'm going into the exam knowing 80% of the stuff I'm passionate about is there. One thing to note also is that when you're measured across these domains, uh, you don't have to necessarily score well or above such some threshold across 
all of them to pass the exam, right? The exam is scored right. holistically. So you might do a little bit poorer in one section, but overall you reach the passing score and that works just as well. Great. I So I'm listening to this. I'm excited. And our plan is to release three episodes at a time. So when you're listening to this, you should be able to just jump right into the next episode and start to tear apart what this uh, certification looks like. If I only have time, you know, maybe I'm in a commute right now, I'm traveling, I'm on the treadmill, I'm working in the yard, I'm doing something, next steps, where do I go? Are there, it's this exam, I'll make sure I put this all in the show notes, but uh, what can, uh, you know, what can I go check out in the meantime before the next episode? I think a good place to start is the exam outline, which okay. we'll link to in the show notes. Uh, I use that. I highlight that. What do I know? What don't I know? What do I need to learn? Uh, you know, we haven't really mentioned Gen AI yet. I use a Gen AI study tool. Uh, I use wow. Party Rock. Did you? So, uh, I know and, Party Rock. That was yeah, my so I, I built a, a Party Rock app that I use that I can ask, you know, tell me about Amazon S3. And uh, the Gen AI tells me all about Amazon S3 and gives me some references. And we'll, we'll link share to that. that yeah, you can share that stuff. Yeah, and, and I think that's a lot of fun. Um, if someone hasn't taken any exams yet and they want to start with the cloud practitioner essentials, we have a free six-hour course on skillbuilder.aws. And they can take that course. We also have some gamified learning with CloudQuest. We also have Cloud Practitioner Essentials. We have some digital training that's free on SkillBuilder that um, people can take. That. And I think if you do the six-hour digital training, I think you're probably well set to take that foundational exam uh, nice. and get your intro. You know, learn about the well-architected framework, uh, how we architect our, our services, regions, availability zones. Uh, and, you know, some of our core services. So what am I missing, Anya? You know, if you're, if you're just looking for other things to fill in gaps, what's, been wor what's worked for me is YouTube, honestly. That's been good for me to kind of get more information on anything that such structured things like the exam guide doesn't provide. So if you're looking for a demo of a service, and you just don't know where to get started. If you're looking for somebody to click, click, click and show you some structured way and how to use it, typically you can find open source resources like YouTube um, uh, videos that will show you that. So you, I would always refer to that. Uh, thank you, Anya. Thank you for pointing that out because we have such an incredible community of, you know, in my old team, I worked directly with the AWS heroes in the in the dev tools category and the community builders and the passion that comes out of our community they're constantly creating content there are people doing you know podcasts and shows and then there's the official aws youtube channel there's things like free code camp where i go just even when i was learning rust and and other things like it's just an incredible resource so thank you for pointing that out too it's not just about entertainment folks you can like learn everything on youtube i learned all sorts of things so yeah I, I uh, where can where can people find you online? Oh, AWS workshops too. Oh yeah, let me. I got to say one thing before I yeah ask where they can find us. I've, I've got to talk about AWS Power Hour. Oh, what is that? We all go to the public. We, we have training and certification. We have a Twitch channel. 
Imagine that Amazon owning Twitch and us using that resource. Yeah. But there is an AWS power hour and these are recorded sessions on architecting. Um, oh, nice. So those are well worth when you're not in the car and, and driving, listening to a podcast, they are well worth watching. Is that where you do the TED Talks? That's where I do the TED Talks. <laughs> like, like I told you before we got started, <laughs> my face is primarily suited for podcasting. They don't want I me on you, I think you have a wonderful Ted place. doing TED Talks. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to give AWS Workshops a shout out. I know when I was getting ready to take that AWS data analytics exam, I I had not even dipped a toe into that world. And I I really wanted to use Redshift for um, for customer engagement. And um, I went ahead, I found a Redshift workshop in there. We were using a number of other services. And um, I was able to just finally get my hands a little dirty in the console with a lot of the services that was going on. And um, and it's, it's a really great way to start experimenting, to get a little bit of that baseline console knowledge before you um, go into some other training. I love it. And where can folks find you, Anya and Ted? LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn, Anya Derbakova. And they can find me there as well. I'm Ted Trentler on LinkedIn. Great. Well, thank you for you both. I think this was a great overview. Uh, hopefully it's given some people inspiration about where they can find information, why you would want to get certified and how that maps into your everyday job. I am super looking forward to episode two and really starting to crack open the rest of this curriculum and being able to see inside both of your brains and all that knowledge. I know you're going to have me ace. Maybe we need to make a, a bet or something after, after I've done this entire series, Dave has to go take a certification based on all the new knowledge that you've given me. Uh, so yes. it's an absolute pleasure that you took this time because I know that you're all, you all do training too. Like you're out there with customers and uh, going to actual companies and doing training. So thank you for taking the time. Super appreciate you. Glad it's been great to be here. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Caroline. Thank you both. Talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. Oh, you can't hear me? Ah.